What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, my name is Noah Ring, co-host of Let Freedom Ring. And I'm Paulette, also a co-host of Let Freedom Ring. Paulette and I started this podcast because we are both conservative college students who are tired of hearing David Hogg preach propaganda to our generation. It is our goal with this podcast to fight back against the mainstream media who seeks to turn our generation into socialists. President Reagan said it best when he said, If we lose freedom here, there is no place to escape to. Please join Noah and I in fighting for freedom by subscribing to our podcast that comes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, enough of this boring intro. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. It's the only podcast anyone should ever listen to. Let Freedom Ring. And today we have a lot of great things that we need to talk about. Uh, But first, I think we'll start with the Biden administration encroaching on the rights and the freedoms of Americans, or at least trying to. So Eric Weinstein, you know, really smart scientist, somebody who's obviously way smarter than me, Somebody who's been banned multiple times because he points things out. He put out something by Politico this morning, or late last night. Uh, it was eight. It was about 9 o'clock last night. I saw it when I woke up, and it said, Biden allied groups, including the DNC, are also planning to engage fact-checkers more aggressively and work with SMS or, or people who allow you to text carriers to dispel misinformation about vaccines, that is sent over social media and text messages. The goal is to ensure that people who may have a difficult difficulty getting a vaccine because of issues like transportation see those barriers move, removed entirely. Senator Hawley, one of my favorite senators, said, So now the Biden administration wants to get into people's text messages to force vaccine compliance and who knows what else. Now look, you, may, you guys called me out years ago when I spoke about the need to the need to get involved in social media censorship, to get involved in big tech bias. And not all of you, but for many of you, that fell on deaf ears. Many of you didn't understand the the significance, and you do now. It went from being something that only people who really were on social media knew about. And I know a lot of my, lot of my followers have come from my Twitter, and you'll know I've been banned multiple times. They don't like Noah Ring over there on Twitter. Um, I was banned... Matter of fact, I was banned a week before the 2018 midterms, and at the time, I only had about, I had about the amount of followers I have now, about 40,000, maybe 45,000. But that was a very different day on Twitter, that was a very different time on Twitter, and on a given week, I was reaching, you know, a couple million people with my tweets, a couple million accounts were seeing my tweets. And then we get it to a week before the 2018 midterms you know what a lot of people said was were the most important midterms of you and i's lifetime my twitter was suspended for saying i evaded permanent suspension 
Now, I don't know if you've known this. I've I, at this time I had just recently got into being political on my Twitter, so I wasn't really I wasn't being very political on it. So I had never been suspended on any other account that I've, I've only ever had one account. So I never got suspended. So I appealed it, and you know I was like, hey guys, listen. I didn't think that. Yeah, you know, I've never been suspended. Why am I being suspended? Uh, the appeal came back, said no permanent permanent suspension, and. You know, it's a big thank you to Congressman Buddy Carter, for my congressman, for uh, for getting me uncensored. And also, he has been placed on the Big Tech. He's been placed on the Big Tech Task Force by uh, Majority Leader McCarthy. And honestly, you know, I got a cell phone number. Maybe I should text old Congressman Carter to see if he wants to come on and speak about this. But getting back to it, so... Many of you know I, I've had my problems with big tech in the past, and obviously big tech removed Donald Trump from every single platform while he was still president. Now a lot of people are going to say he only had six, he only had two weeks left. But that doesn't matter. He was still president. He was a sitting president. They removed him from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Mailchimp and Shopify and pretty much any site that you can name. He got removed from TikTok, and he had never even had a TikTok. And he got removed because of what happened on January sixth. I want to take a step back. I think I'm the only person who remembers the clip of Donald Trump telling his supporters to be peaceful and go home. Let me see if, let me pull that up real quick. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. So you and I both heard right there Donald Trump telling the people in the Capitol to go home. Telling the people who, who broke into the Capitol that they need to go home and that they need to respect law and order and respect peace. He said that the election was stolen, which is not a very unpopular opinion. There's a lot of people who believe that there was fraud in this election, that it was rigged somehow. Right now they're trying to get a uh, forensic audit in the state of Georgia. And my, my say is on it has always been, what's the point of not having an audit unless there's something to hide? Do I think there was widespread fraud? I'm not sure. I know that there needs to... I know that at least in the state of Georgia, we need to have we need to have a, a serious talk about signature verification, which we did in SB two hundred two that was passed here in this past couple of months. But the problem the problem comes is is a lot of kids in my generation will live the rest of their lives having no idea how great of a president Donald Trump was, how great of a president. Donald Trump was. They'll have no idea. Because the left and the mainstream media and the TikTok superstars and they all said how bad Donald Trump was for four years. Five years. If he, six years, really, because it's still going on. He talks about how bad he was. How he was a racist. How he was a rapist. How he was misogynistic. How he was xenophobic. They talked about that for years. And because of that, they've tarnished president's legacy they tarnished a, a president who wasn't even that conservative he wasn't a, an ideologue conservative he was a common sense conservative and for those of you who don't know the difference an ideologue conservative is somebody like rand paul somebody who knows what he believes knows why he believes it and will fight until he passes out or dies defending it which is no, which is worthy, and I agree with Rand Paul on a lot of issues. But Donald Trump was never really an ideologue. I've explained this before in the past. 
Donald Trump would look at things and they'd go, he'd look at it, he'd look at all the solutions, and he'd say, well, this one makes the most sense. This one looks like it'll do the best. Because as Rich McCormick told us a couple of weeks ago when he was on, or a couple of days ago, I guess it was last Friday, when he was on, is that show me one thing Donald Trump did during this pandemic that... Show me one thing he did that didn't help any states, didn't help any of the governors, because he called out the left and the right, because he called out the establishment, his presidency will go down as one of the worst in history. Now, maybe 50, 60 years from now, it'll start to get changed, and people will start to change it, and history will start to show itself. But that only happens if people like you and I don't give up. We cannot give up. I have a good friend named Scott Pressler. Many of you guys know him. He's traveled throughout. I think he's pretty much been to all, at least 48 states. I don't know if he's been to Alaska and Hawaii, but he's been to a lot of states. Uh, he did the Baltimore cleanup. And him and I were talking. And really what he's done, what I think, I think if 30 years from now we're electing Republicans because of Scott Pressler. Because Scott Pressler has traveled throughout the country and he has hosted and taught People like you and me, how to register Republicans, and how to run for office as a Republican. Whether that's a city council, county commission, school board, state house. He's also taught us how to register Republicans. I think the GOP party has done a terrible job. The RNC, the GOP, they're all the same to me. I think they've done a terrible job at focusing on the future. The RNC and the GOP are focused on the next two and four years. I'm focused on 2040. I've said that many times. I could, you know, I hate that Biden won last year, but I'm more focused on who's going to win in 20 years. Because the Democrats are playing the long game. The Democrats are smart. The Democrats are in the colleges. Trust me, I go to one of the biggest ones in the country. The Democrats are in the colleges. And if we don't start fighting back, Anything Donald Trump has done over the last four years, five years, is all for nothing. Now, I'll always be here because I'm too stubborn to leave. But we got to fight. We can't let the left win because we're afraid of being called racist because we like low taxes and we like there to be law and order. Racist doesn't mean what it meant 20 years ago. 20 years ago, when somebody was a racist, that was actually bad. 20 years ago, you called somebody a racist. It was sort of like... It was sort of like the Salem Witch Trials. They were done. Now, I mean, everybody's racist. I mean, even people on the left are racist because they don't fall completely into the ideology that the woke, progressive, far left falls into. And I see, I'm seeing it every day. Addison Ray, a TikToker, she's the third most followed TikToker, you know, very, very wealthy. She's got 80 million followers. She's being canceled right now for two stupid reasons. One of the reasons is because she's, like I said, very famous. In UFC, in the fight that happened the other night, they decided to have her interviewing Dustin Poirier and uh, Conor McGregor. And she, now she studied broadcasting for like, three months I think it was she studied broadcasting for three months before she dropped out because she had like 20 million tiktok followers and why would you not drop out so she dropped out and she posted that and the UFC ended up firing her because of whatever and I if I was Addison right I would look into that I'd have her legal team look into that because I don't if that's not a just firing that that could be something but and that's not even the worst one the worst one is that she's right now being canceled because she said hey to President Trump while he was at UFC 246, I believe it was. She said, hey, to a former president. I think there's a lot of people who would at least want to shake the hand of a If Barack Obama, for all of his faults, was in the same room that I was, I would shake his hand. I would take a picture where we both had our thumbs up. And I'd post it on Instagram and say, thumbs up if you think Trump was the best president ever. And that's just because I'm funny. But the fact that she greeted... Now, there was there was some controversy. Now, there was some controversy about a year ago. Because people thought she was voting for Trump because she had a, uh, a Trump 
flag in a room. And many people were, were still just kind of like, why does it matter? Why does it matter who a TikToker is voting for? Why does it matter who any of us are truly voting for? You see, for the vast majority of people, for normal people, whose jobs don't revolve around politics, like, like yours truly, who cares? If you own a business and your accountant voted for Trump and your marketer voted for Biden, who cares? As long as they can market and sell and, and do your taxes, who really cares? We're at a time in this country where if you voted for Trump and if you voted for Biden, you cannot, you can't be friends. That's what they say. They say you can't be friends. And see, the right does have some problems that they do exactly what the left does. You see, the right, what the right likes to do is say anybody who voted for Biden is automatically a socialist. The, the right, a lot of people on the right can't see one reason why somebody would vote for Joe Biden. Look, I see reasons why you would. I don't agree with them, and I think that you're wrong. But I can see why. You see, the problem with the right and the left right now is because the right looks at the allegedly 80-something million voters who voted for Joe Biden, and the left looks at the 76 million voters who voted for Donald Trump, and they go, oh my god, that half of the country is a socialist. That half of the country is a Nazi. That's just not true. The 76 million, the 80-something million, the however many million people voted for Joe Biden and Donald Trump are not socialists or Nazis. There probably are some socialists who voted for Biden and some Nazis who voted for Trump. That's probably true. Just because when you're talking about 150 million people, that has to be true. I mean, just law of large numbers, that has to be true. However, however, your average Biden supporter and your average Trump supporter can be friends. I'm friends with a lot of Democrats. And you guys should know me. You're listening to me right now because I'm very outspoken about politics. Matter of fact, the other day, uh, this past weekend, I was hanging out with uh, with my girlfriend and her friend, who's very she, her, her my my girlfriend is more of a moderate, uh, leans a little bit to the left, and my 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 girlfriend's friend is a little bit more left than that. Guess what? We didn't discuss politics that much, and when we did, it was peaceful. And we just hung out, and had a good time, because we've had this problem. And at least in my lifetime, probably started way back, to which politics became culture. Politics became culture. And that is a big problem. The reason that is a problem is because we need to separate it. We don't need to live in a hyper-partisan world where buying a certain cereal is now probably going to be racist. We need to live in a world where we can, where we can live together. Because you know what happens when we can't live together? The other countries win. When we, you and I cannot live together peacefully as neighbors, the other countries win. And I know that the vast majority of you listening understand exactly what I'm talking about. And I don't want to beat a dead horse. Because that would be gross and I'd get blood all over my hands. But still, we need to learn to live together. Because if we don't live together, this country is doomed. This country is doomed. Now, let's get back to what started this spiel, where Joe Biden and the DNC allegedly want, you know, SMS carriers to talk, to say, hey, you can't say that, basically. This is very similar to when Twitter, Facebook, all the big social media platforms told you and I that we couldn't talk about the New York Post story with, with Hunter Biden. I'm sure you remember that. And this was the first time, I believe, in history very short history but i believe in history that you couldn't even dm it you couldn't even message i couldn't send you the link to the new york post story without it getting blocked first off i don't even know what type of technology can do that which first off that's just cool that technology can do that but it's also bad because it's not like the i know this is also beating a dead horse but it's not like the new york post is a very far Right, extreme started two years ago in his grandma. The New York Post has been was started by Alexander Hamilton. I'm 95% sure, and that's the problem because now Joe Biden doesn't want me to be able to text my friends if I have concerns about the vaccine. Joe Biden doesn't want me to be. What's next? I can't talk about low taxes with my friends. I can't talk about 
trying to go to a, a Republican event, a Trump rally with my friends. This is such a scary place that we're getting to. When I was young, I never understood why people were doomsday preppers. I never understood why somebody would spend so much money getting a military-grade bunker in the mountains of West Virginia, buying years of food, thousands and thousands of rounds of ammunition. I never understood it. I kind of understand now. Because we're getting to a point in society that we can't live with each other. That should be the central theme of this. That we need to learn to live with each other. That if we can't get along, we have no business being a country anymore. The United States of America, not too long ago, were very unified. The problem with unification, the problem why we can't be unified again is the media wants to pin us against each other. The media wants us to think that the left and the right should be mortal enemies and should have boxing matches until the death every single day. That's not true. What is true is that you and I, a Biden supporter, a Trump supporter, a Bernie supporter, whatever, need to work against the media. The media was always supposed to be the fourth branch of government. It was supposed to be the branch that gave us the truth and kept the government accountable. It was the ultimate check and balance. That's why freedom of the press is in the second or is in the first amendment. That's why they put it so high. Is because that's how important it is. It's important that we have a free press. And now there are a lot of good news outlets out there. I was just interviewed in Newsmax and we'll talk about it in a little bit later. But there's a lot of those out there who seek to divide. And we need to quit funding that. Because every time you and I fund that, we're adding days and days and weeks and years and decades that the, that the media can, can divide us. Now, I want to talk about another story. So there was, a, I guess, a vote that was supposed to be happening in the great state of Texas that would, that would have... So there was supposed to be a vote in the great state of Texas that would have looked at the voting laws. Um, If you look at places like the Independent, it will say that it was a voting restrictions bill, which just isn't isn't that. So this is via the Independent. We use a left-wing one. It says, more than 50 Democrats left Austin for Washington to prevent the passage of a Republican bill. Texas governor has called Democrats in the state's legislature who fled for Washington to prevent the passage of Republican-led voting bills hypocrites and vowed they will be arrested upon their return. Greg Abbott said the move was the most un-Texan thing he'd ever heard of, calling the lawmakers quitters and hypocrites in an appearance on Fox News on Monday. The governor went on to say that the state's House of Representatives has the power to issue a call for the arrest of lawmakers who obstruct voting practices but only in the state of Texas. He said once they step back into the state of Texas, they will be arrested and brought to the Texas Capitol and we will be conducting business. The procedure as a call of the House and allows law enforcement to hunt down lawmakers who already fled the chamber. What the Speaker can do is issue a call to have these members arrested. In addition to that, however, I can and I will continue to call a special session after special session after special session all the way up until election next year. As soon as they come back in the state of Texas, they will be arrested, the governor reiterated. They will be cabined inside the Texas Capitol until they get their job done. More than 50 Democrats left Austin for Dulles International Airport on Monday, before the House was expected to give early approval to a sweeping new voting bill, which critics say disproportionately targets minority groups. The legislation is one of the wave GOP-backed election bills introduced by Republicans around the country following the former President Donald Trump's Claims about the 2020 election. All right, I think that's enough. I haven't looked at the bill. I'll be honest, I haven't looked at the bill. But I live in a state that was attacked by the media saying that our bill was racist, that we had a racist bill, we have a racist governor, racist state legislature, everybody in, everybody in the state of Georgia who wants people to have to show an ID to vote, racist. We're racist. That, that's what it is. So I understand that there's a 99.99999% chance that this bill just requires voter ID probably limits somehow mail-in voting, which should be limited. You shouldn't just be able to no reason mail-in vote. 
Does anybody else remember in 2016 when Democrats wanted Hillary to challenge the results of the vote? Does anybody remember that? Because I do. I remember that. I remember when Hillary wanted there to be recounts in Wisconsin and Michigan. They couldn't believe Michigan went red. I can't believe they went blue again, but I can't can't believe how Michigan went red. Now, will Governor Abbott actually call for these housemakers to be arrested? No, probably not. However, if he did, he does have the legal ground to do so, because technically they're breaking something. Now, they're, they're not going to be arrested. They're going to be put, in, put into, they're going to be put into custody and brought to the Capitol in Austin, and they're going to have to get their job done. They're going to have to be representatives. And that's, that's the thing. If, if a congressman or a senator is, is just not at Congress for a given period of time, and you don't have what's called a quorum, then you can't do business and you're obstructing the people's end. And so there is a legal precedent for it. I don't think, I, I, I think it's been done a few times in U.S. history. Because a quorum is, as many of you know, it's the minimum needed to do business. It basically means if I'm a con- if I'm a speaker of the house, I can't walk into the house chamber at 2 a.m. when everybody else is asleep and say, call call the session to order, vote myself a $200,000 pay raise, impeach the president, and pass a constitutional carry bill and go to sleep and say every bill passed unanimously at 1 out. you got to have a certain amount of people. I don't know who that is. It's probably like 350. I don't know. It's normally like 66%, um, somewhere with 60%, 66%, 70%, that you need 70%, 60% of whoever, in this case lawmakers, to be able to get business done. And so this used to not be a problem in my state of Georgia because we used to have super majorities in the House and the Senate. And a super majority is a quorum, so we could do whatever we want, whenever we wanted. And those. It was a great state, and then got, and then Republicans, after having that for so many years, got complacent, and then here recently we lost the supermajority in both both chambers of Congress because we don't want to do what we need to do, and that's a big thing. Republicans don't. What I've learned is a Republican does not become a Democrat; a Democrat becomes a Republican. But what happens is Republicans, like you and I, get tired of voting for Democrats or get tired of voting for Republicans who don't do anything. What's the point of electing somebody who's just going to go up there and like look pretty and take some pictures and make money off of us? What's the point? The reason why Republicans will lose moving forward, it will be because they campaign like Ron DeSantis but govern like Mitt Romney. And, and the American people, and especially the Republicans in the country, are tired of it. Hey, thanks so much for listening this far to the Let Free Ring podcast. And before we go any further, I have a special word from Tyler Hickson. Especially now that we got Donald Trump. Once Donald Trump got into office, the next Republican president has to govern like him, or he won't be reelected. I think the problem moving forward for establishment Republicans is that the base will leave them in a heartbeat. Mitt Romney went from being one of the most popular Republicans, probably one of the most popular politicians in America circa 2012 to now he's one of the most he's one of the he's a laughing stock because he's too moderate for any republican senator and he's too he's too conservative for for democrats so he's just kind of sitting there in the middle and now it'll be really interesting if in 2024 he gets reelected to be a senator in utah now let's get back to let's get back to texas so a lot of people are questioning whether or not Abbott has the power to arrest him. And I don't think that Abbott has the power to arrest him, but I do know that the Speaker of the House does. You see, I believe the Founding Fathers had a big fear of this very thing happening. So they put in this this provision in the U.S. Constitution, which a lot of states, including Texas, have adopted, that said basically if, if a lawmaker is leaving... You know, just to make sure there's not a quorum, or if lawmakers are leaving just to ensure there's not a quorum, they can be put under custody to be brought back in to make a quorum. Basically saying if they leave, they're in a sense allowing minority rule. 
because they're leaving because they know the bill they don't like is going to pass. And so even though they're a minority, they're going to leave and not let it pass. Also, I want to know how these lawmakers, 50 or so of them, got onto a private jet. Who paid for the Did Soros pay for the jet? Who paid for the jet? I didn't pay for the jet. We probably did. Pro, well, not me because I don't pay taxes in Texas, but somebody probably did. The people of Texas probably paid for the jet. If I had to guess, I'd say they probably paid for the jet. But I want to get into something else. Because I can beat a dead horse all day, but Texas voting laws, I have no vote over. So let's talk about something that we can do. Now, recently, I'm sure you've heard. See, the problem is the problem is we record these episodes early. Very rarely do podcasters record an episode right. There's no way to live podcast that I know. Listen, you're like live streaming on YouTube. So like we'll have a podcast ready. Like this is being recorded on the day before you're listening to it. And so we'll have it scheduled and ready to go. And then right before it's supposed to go live or while we're sleeping the night before it's supposed to go live, there'll be some crazy news that you want to cover. So you have to wait a few days to cover it. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about how, let's talk about the fact that there are thousands upon thousands of people in the country of Cuba who are flying the American flag because they want freedom. But there are Democrats right here at home who see the American flag as a symbol of white supremacy and white power. Now, I don't know if you know, but there's not a lot of white people in Cuba. Cuba is a very Hispanic country. I don't know if you know that. They're a very Hispanic country. There's not a lot of white people in Cuba. So they're fine. So all these Cubans are white are white supremacists. That's just how that works. But let's even go back to 2019, right before COVID. When Hong Kong, when the people were in the streets every night. I remember looking at this every night. Another picture on Twitter or Instagram. And I was seeing how many people were in the streets trying to fight for freedom. Because they want it to be free. They want it to be free from an oppressive government. They want it to be free from the same government that the Democrats in America want. And you can't tell me that they don't. Because a major Democratic politician over the last two ye- uh, last two election cycles, Bernie Sanders, campaigned saying that Cuba's policies aren't all that bad. Saying that Cuba's policies aren't that bad. And a lot of people say that Cuba would be a better country if we hadn't put an embargo on. That's what a lot of people are saying. But would they? What's the difference between the Chinese Communist Party and Cuba? In terms of their policies and their government. It's the fact that the Chinese Communist Party very easily could end up being the next superpower if America doesn't get its stuff together. But we didn't let Cuba get to the point where they have such economic dominance. The only good thing that comes out of Cuba... Over the last couple of years, a couple of decades, is coffee and cigars. That's it. Where China produces everything. You can't look at you can't look at everything in your house without seeing at least one thing that says made from China. You can't look at anything you put in your, your grocery cart at Walmart or Publix or wherever that does not say made in China. At least something. That's a big problem. Now, as you and I know, back in the 2020 presidential nominee democratic primary that was rigged it was it was the way that the democratic nominee works with super delegates and this and the other it's 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 pretty much whoever the dnc wants the only time that somebody the dnc didn't want to win was barack obama now bernie sanders has been screwed two times by the dnc but last campaign cycle he, uh, he he said that we could learn a lot from Cuba. And now it's not looking like he was right because Cubans are flying the American flag calling to the end of a six or seven decade fight for freedom. He said that they educated their kids. So did Mao Zedong, just on not you know stuff that would help the country he said they provided health care just like canada where you have to wait for months or years they provided welfare just like venezuela where you can't buy a gallon of milk for less than two thousand dollars 
Socialism does not work. Big government does not work. And I know there are some people who want to use government. Who on, there are some people on the right who want to use government for good. And there are good uses for government. But I implore you. Think about using the state government before you use the federal government. Because it's a lot easier to get a, pa- to get a bill passed in a state than it is to get a bill passed federally. And it's a lot easier to get a bill repealed in a state than it is to get a bill repealed federally. It's a lot easier. Trust me, folks. It's a lot easier. There are some things that the federal government should do. For instance, I would consider myself a Teddy Roosevelt Republican when it comes to big companies. The fact that Facebook, Google, Twitter are more powerful than the sitting president of the United States does give me fear. The fact that there are there are campaigns that can be won or lost basically depending on if somebody at Facebook wants them to. I'll pull up a story that I know many of you guys haven't heard. Um there's a lot of debate right now about whether or not Ronald McDaniel should lead the RNC. A lot of people are calling on her to resign. Of course, she's not going to do that. And a lot of people don't remember when me and Magdalene Rose went after, we went after many of the people in the RNC, especially Mitch Freckleton who was the youth engagement director, for not having an actual plan. Now, this is, a, this is a headline I saw, and take this with a grain of salt. There's no links attached to it or anything like that, but it says, In 2020, using his position as RNC chief counsel, Justin Reamer did Mitch McConnell's dirty work by getting a pro-Doug Collins for Senate grassroots, grassroots called True Georgia Conservatives canceled from running digital ads by contacting Facebook's execs and urging them to stop the ads. True Georgia Conservatives made it clear it was under the umbrella of the Collins campaign. It is clear that Reamer is fine with the cancel culture as long as it as he's doing the canceling. Now look, you and I both know that the RNC has never been a big fan of why do you think that every year the RNC and CPAC have different speakers? Why do you think every there are some that are the same? Trump spoke at the RNC. Trump spoke at CPAC. Vernon Jones spoke at the RNC. Vernon Jones spoke at CPAC. But why do you think that is? Because not every Republican is a conservative. Not every Republican is a conservative. And I've been calling this out for years. Ron McDaniel, who is the chairwoman of the RNC, National GOP, whatever you want to call it, it's all unanimous. She is, one, she's Mitt Romney's niece. But, and she's called Mitt Romney out in the past. I'm going to say that. But they are more worried about this next election. They need an entire division for youth outreach that actually does stuff. Instead of having one guy who's in his like late 20s, early 30s do it, why not form, I don't know, a young conservative task force of young conservatives throughout the country to learn how, about what young conservatives want to hear? It's what I would do, personally. We've implemented that in the past with di- with different things we were working on, and it's had success. It's what I would do, personally. Because if we do not get more young people involved in Republican politics, we are screwed. Now, there are a lot of young conservatives who are prominent. Uh, a, a lady who was running for um, Miss New Jersey Teen USA or Miss New Jersey, she's on the younger end, she, she gave a speech. And her speech was about censorship. She lost because it's New Jersey and you know they, they want to censor whoever. But that's not the point. The point is we need to start engaging and working with young leaders throughout the country. There's a guy who, in, in my home state, he's 16 years old. His name's Cooper Guyon. Cooper has traveled the state on a book tour. He's a, he's a best-selling author about, about conservatism. And I think it was a, a high schooler's guide a high schooler's I don't want to disrespect Cooper let me pull it up but anyway he's a, he's a great patriot and he's a great guy and he actually you know he should be coming on the podcast soon I'm going to invite him because he's a good guy his book is called Our Broken Nation 
a 15-year-old's case to save America. A broken nation. A 15-year-old's case to save America. I wrote a book, a book very similar when I was in high school. The ABCs of politics from the eyes of a high schooler. There are a lot of young conservatives throughout the GOP Josh, Ellis Davis. There are outside of one of those, they all live in my state of Georgia. There is a lot of young conservatives fired up who are ready to overtake the liberal elite. But we need help. Because you see, the Democrats, they give money to the teenage groups. They give money overwhelmingly. But in the Georgia Republican Party, the college Republican chair isn't as, as well respected as they should be. Because it's the college Republicans who, I think, turn more... The state GOP does not turn many people Republican. Because many of the people the state GOP is reaching out to have already decided whether or not they're going to be a Republican. The state GOP is reaching out to 38 to 40 to 50 to 60 to 70 year old voters. Many of which have already decided whether or not they're a Republican or Democrat. It's, it's way less likely that you're going to make a Republican or Democrat switch their beliefs once they pass the age of, I would say, like 30. But the young Republicans and the teenage Republicans and the college Republicans are on the front lines of this future. They're on the front lines of this future. And this all, first off, us worrying about the future all starts when we can start working together. Because if we can't work together, every second that us Republicans are fighting against each other, Democrats are winning. If a Republican nominee gets a, if there's a Republican nominee in your state, your city, or whatever, who you don't agree with, but his opponent is a radical socialist and you don't vote for him, for almost whatever reason, you, you can't complain. I do not take your complaint seriously. Now, if he's a rhino and he's, he's a Republican in name only and he's not really conservative and he just kind of sits up there, I can understand that. But at the same time, I, I think the way to beat bad Republicans is to primary them, not let them lose to a Democrat. I remember there was, there was this story I heard. Uh, Steve Bannon was talking about it. It must have been a year, two years ago that I saw it. It happened way before that. It was... Maybe it was 2010, 2012. I think it was 2010. And there was a guy who was... You know what? Let me look this up. Let me make sure I'm being 100% for real with you guys. I, I, I looked for a few minutes. I couldn't find it. But nonetheless, it, show, it goes to show you what can be won. Campaigns are so easy to be won. Campaigns are seriously so easy. If you lose a campaign... Depending on the state, this, that, the other, it's almost because you wanted to lose the campaign. Point told. There was a candidate who I was good friends with a couple of years ago, a couple of terms ago, cycles ago. And he was running against a very wealthy Republican who there was a lot of distaste for. And he could have won. He very easily could have won the primary. He was running this as a primary. He very easily could have won had he ran a campaign. Had he listened to the grassroots leaders. And that's that I think is really what sums up this podcast. If any of the parties want to be successful, they need to listen to the young grassroots leaders. I live in Camden County, Georgia. This is the most southern southeastern part of the of the state. We have a lot of problems of any statewide candidate coming down to our neck of the woods. We are the farthest county from the capital. So it's very unlikely that candidates are going to be coming here every week. It's just very unlikely. Now, if you're a candidate running statewide in the state of Georgia for the Republican primary, if you don't come to Camden, your opponent does, you will lose Camden. But, with that being said, if you want to be competitive in these counties like this, which really... Chatham County, a bigger county in this in the congressional district. Sure, they have three hundred thousand votes, right? Three hundred thousand people, obviously, not everybody votes. Sure. However, if you want to win, I my if I were to run a campaign, if I were to be running for the Senate right now, I would have a hundred and fifty nine. That's how many counties are in Georgia. One hundred and fifty nine county leadership who advise me on that county. 
I would be smart enough to know that I'm not a very I'm not an expert on every county. No one is. But I'd be smart enough to know that hey, there's somebody in Camden County who could help. There's somebody in Chatham County who could help. Fulton County, DeKalb County, Forsyth County, Gwinnett County. Some of these counties would need more than one person, obviously, but that's not the point. If you lose a primary, it's your fault. It's not the voters' fault, because they probably didn't hear about you. It's your fault. If you'd rather pay for Facebook ads and Instagram ads and buy spots on Fox News instead of going door-to-door to primary voters and just voters in general and saying, hey, my name's Noah Ring. I'm running to be your next congressman. I want to know what you want me to do. You'll find that a lot of people south of the biggest city in their district have probably never met their congressman. Now, of course, a lot have. I've met my congressman. I met both the U.S. senators, um, not the new ones. I don't like to talk to them, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. I'm not a big fan of them. But I've, I've met both the previous one. I've met Johnny Isaacson. I've met Governor Kemp, a Lieutenant Governor Duncan, Attorney General Chris Carr, Secretary of State Breyer. I've met all these people. That's because I'm hyper-involved. But the people who work, you know, mom, dad, work 40 hours a week, have two, three kids, they don't have time to go to the GOP meetings. They don't have time to go to these campaign events. But if you go knock on their door on a Saturday at 11 a.m. and you go, hi, my name's Noah Ring, and I want to be your next state representative, what can I do once I'm elected to make life better for you, to make life better for your kids 20 years from now? You know what? You probably just gained their votes for a simple reason. Because people don't go talk to them. They see Facebook ads. They see Instagram ads. They see YouTube ads. They see all the ads. Everybody's got ads. I mean, are you kidding? Everybody's got ads. But nobody has came and personally asked them for their vote. Point in case, my grandfather has been a lifelong Republican, dating back to the 70s. Now, he's voted Republican pretty much probably every election since he's been alive. And a couple of years back, I think it was 2014 maybe, I'm sitting at his house in Delaware and somebody comes by and they say, hey, my name is, I can't remember the name, I'm running to be your state representative. You know, He was a Democrat. This is after my grandfather has moved to Delaware. He's a Democrat. My grandfather had never voted for a Democrat before. And he goes, it comes inside, we all talk for however long, and we, it was, it was him and his wife, and they're coming around this, you know, the neighborhood that my grandfather lives in, and they're talking, and long and behold, my grandfather voted for him. Why? Because he came and asked for my grandfather's support and talked to him about the future of Delaware. My grandfather had never vote, voted for a Democrat before, probably never will vote again. My grandfather's family friends with Joe Biden now, and he didn't even vote for Joe Biden. Even when Joe Biden was running for the Senate, he didn't even vote for Joe Biden. But, if you go and talk to people, and this is not just for people running for office, this is people who are in the GOP as well. If you call yourself a GOP activist and you've never knocked on one door or called one phone, you are not a GOP activist. You're a Republican, but you're not an activist. Tweeting does not make you an activist. Next session, next cycle, call, I mean, even in the primary cycle if you want, phone bank. Seriously, right now. Let's take, let's take. Let's say you let's say you let's say you love Rich McCormick who just came on last Friday. If I call Rich McCormick right now and say, "Hey Rich, give me a list of people. Give me a list of 1000 people. I'll call 10, 10 people a day. It'll take me 15-20 minutes because most people won't answer. I'll have that list in 20 minutes. And you can do it. And you can phone me on their behalf and say, "Hey, hey Scott, my name's Noah. Um, I'm not sure who you plan on voting for and the primary, the general election. I just really wanted to ask you if you've heard of Rich McCormick. Tell you what, tell him why you like him. This, that, the other. You that that's what wins. I was in a meeting with a pack a couple of uh, about a year ago, and we were looking over it. And this pack is very famous for they they don't just buy ads. What they do is they send people to the district. They 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 do a lot of house districts. But they send people to the house districts 
and they send people and they knock on doors and they make phone calls and that's what they do. And what you'll learn is, I was door knocking in West Virginia last year. I was up on Raven Mountain in West Virginia. And I got to talking to this guy and he was telling me, he said, you know, Noah, I've lived here my entire life. And this guy's 60, 70 years old. I've lived here my entire life and no one has ever asked me for their vote. Nobody, nobody has ever driven up here to ask me to vote for somebody or to vote for them. And he took the piece of literature and he said, you know what? I'm going to keep this and I will make sure in November I vote for this guy. Because this guy seems like he is really the one that you want to vote for. And if you're passionate enough to come and knock doors all the way up on Raven County, you guys look up Raven Mountain in West Virginia, R-A-B-U-N Mountain. That's not an easy mountain to get up on, trust me. My car was not very happy with me. If you will come all the way up here to door knock and to talk to me for a few minutes, then obviously he's somebody you believe in, and therefore that's good enough for me. That's what you'll learn. That's what you'll learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Ring. Episodes come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We'd love it if you shared our podcast with your friends and family. It helps us reach new listeners and provide them with the truth about our generation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.